Welcome to Spitfire and Sass, divine discernment and worldly defiance. Pursue truth, wisdom, and joy, and live free for entertainment only. Today, we are discussing something that has the power to change a big part of who we are, how we see the world, and how we can move forward inspired and able to contribute to Christian discipleship. Oxford Languages defines dogma as a principle or set of principles laid down by an authority as incontrovertibly true. With this in mind, one of the most challenging things a human being can face is to make a bold stand against the dogmas that those in their own community are immersed in. When one does this, they will quickly learn that peer pressure is not unique to the schoolyard. In fact, conformity is such a strong force that if you really think about it, it explains so many things, like how easily people can become part of a cult or gang, how governments have held such power over people regardless of if their practices were ethical. So think genocide, performing testing on groups of people without consent, uh, things like that. Why people engage in a lot of gossip, like at the workplace, and why it seems almost human nature to bond with others over an us versus them mentality. Why people will do unethical things just to climb the corporate ladder. The list could go on and on. The bottom line is this. Conformity is powerful, but what if non-conformity, when done with integrity and good intentions, is more powerful? We can look at Jesus as the ultimate non-conformist. He really was a rebel, and my inspiration for the podcast tagline as well, worldly defiance. In fact, he had no choice but to make a bold stand against the corrupt status quo. Consequently, it gave us the option to essentially do the same thing and set ourselves free with a simple choice. And yet, here we are saying, nah, I got this, and taking in our information from anything and everything except from him. What if, instead of just accepting the polar opposite paradigms that we have to choose from on a variety of important topics, what if we refuse to choose one or the other? What if we thought outside the box? Could it be that the real solutions might be there? The truth is, at some point, we must decide who we want to please and who we will serve. Will we choose conformity to fit in with a group of people? Or in the famous words of Fleetwood Mac, will we go our own way? We must realize that if we want to do our part in creating real change in the world, we must be willing to speak up against status quo using the only real truths we have, guidance from Jesus. We don't need a group of friends cheering us on or an allegiance to any group with defined beliefs. We just need heavenly guidance. That's it. Just like Jesus did, we simply need a quiet forest or mountaintop or desert or valley or wherever you can find to get. And here's the key. Away. Get away from anything influential. He doesn't say to consult your people. He says, be still and know. Be still and know, and that I will instruct you in the way you should go. And once we have received those truths in the stillness and spent some time with them to form a good foundation of real understanding, then we will be ready to declare them with boldness. The how to declare them is the tricky part. First, 
realize the human tendency towards conformity and even and especially with our thoughts. Realize also that people are not even aware that many of their own thoughts and beliefs are not truly original, but that they've been heavily influenced by sources other than Jesus. So the how part of declaring these truths is tricky, but doable. First, we can't forget that the old saying that you catch more flies with honey is pretty accurate. Attacking an opposing view head-on is going to come across as judgmental and self-righteous, and that's never a good representation of Christianity. I suspect many people hold on to certain strongholds because they fear condemnation or even rejection otherwise. So really, being defensive and prideful is a protective mechanism. Expect this. Recognize it in yourself as well. Be prepared for the first thing to tackle, defensiveness. And although Jesus is called the Prince of Peace, he says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Yet I often see Christians approach sensitive issues with an offensive tactic. This is not a good look. And while I assume the intention is to bring conviction through the bold truth of God's word, we must remember one major challenge. This tactic conviction through presenting God's truth is much better received from someone who has never sinned. This is why Jesus could do this so well. We, however, turn out to be basically one sinner pointing a finger at another sinner. So if the true message is that God's conviction has changed us, so it can change you too, if that's the message, then probably the major fruit of that change which would be the evidence the recipient of your message is looking for. Okay, so the the major fruit of that change is a humble spirit focused on love first and foremost. And this evidence of truly being changed by the Holy Spirit should be undeniably evident in whatever way we might be attempting to convict hearts. And don't forget, like we discussed in previous episodes, oftentimes angry defensiveness is a secondary layer of emotion acting as a cover for pain of some sort. So coming at somebody with harsh words intended to convict is literally only adding to their pain and defensiveness. The message they need primarily is one of love and acceptance. Love is magic, y'all. It literally disarms people, whether on a personal level or in an awkward situation with someone we barely know. Jesus was known to meet people where they are at. In other words, he would first bring humble empathy to the table. I cannot express how huge this lesson is. The best thing we can do for defensive, proud, or angry people is to show them we understand their feelings in some way and that they are accepted by us just as they are. Oftentimes, we hear that a relationship was broken over a disagreement. But what if many times it's not the actual conflict of opinions or beliefs so much as it's the delivery of the message? Was it delivered with kindness or defensive condemnation? Some of the best customer service reps know a few things. 
When a customer situation has already become emotionally volatile, if the customer service rep begins with respectfully listening and making statements to show that they care and understand that person's point of view, it will usually diffuse the tension and put the customer in a position to then be ready to hear a different message and have a better chance of considering a rebuttal or an alternative proposition. People need and want to be heard. This is so, so key. If someone feels that you are not hearing them, they will certainly not be willing to consider what you have to say. I mean, it makes sense. Jesus says, let the first one without sin throw the stone. But Lord have mercy at all the stones thrown around, especially on social media. Truly, these people are not trying to get someone to understand a message. Even if they say this, these types of situations serve only to provide an outlet for an emotional dumping party for those engaged. But when it's going back and forth, all that work projecting bad emotions onto the other person just gets replaced by the pain received through those new insults. It literally serves no good purpose. I'm not saying that we should never share Bible truths that may convict hearts and change a person's life for the better, but we just need to do so after a person witnesses our changed spirit as the proof that conviction is a good thing, because conviction doesn't often feel very good in the beginning for anyone, but ultimately, we need to be a director more than a teacher, because Psalms 32.8 says, He will instruct you in the way you should go. We are to be the guideposts serving to point people to the Holy Spirit for guidance. And while we can share God's word, we really need to be proposing that others do the direct consulting with God themselves. By doing this, we are not trying to force our opinions onto others, but we are simply planting seeds that will sprout and make the other person aware that despite worldly evidence to the contrary, there are other options with any and all challenges in life, both personal and with large societal issues. And the first and best option is to consult our loving creator, or as it's written, quote, seek first the kingdom of heaven. Here are some helpful verses for introducing someone to this new way of thinking and receiving holy help. Psalms 146 verses 3 and 4 says not to put faith in other people for they cannot save. There are many, many warnings about trusting other people. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 16 says, For those who guide this people have been leading them astray, and those who are guided by them are swallowed up. We can easily be led astray. God's solution to this is to test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is from the first John chapter four, verse one. First Corinthians chapter three, verse 18 says that to really learn, we must first be willing to unlearn all the truths, quote unquote, that we have learned through worldly methods and customs. That is so huge, so important. Let me read it again. So to really learn, we must first be willing to unlearn all of the truths, quote unquote, we have learned through worldly methods and customs. Y'all, this is so big. 
I mean, we have to admit that God knows infinitely more than, you know, mere human wisdom determined without seeking his input. He is the creator and literally is accessible. So many people do not believe this, but he is accessible. He will lead us. He will guide us. It is a real thing. It is not a feel-good um, sentiment. It is real. Uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 24 says to ask, believe, and receive. Exactly what I'm talking about. If we are not asking, in my opinion, it's like flailing around in the riptide of choosing readily available options or perceptions uh, instead of believing that there may be a better way and, you know, a better way as in, you know, finding the truth. And it's just there waiting for you to ask, waiting to be discovered. Psalms chapter 46 verse 10 says, To be still, as long as we are subjecting ourselves to constant influence from friends or the media, we are not seeking the kingdom first. We are told to seek first the kingdom. We literally must get still and quiet to put ourselves in a state to receive complex revelations through this higher form of processing and holy help. It is a real thing. I have experienced it. Many others have as well. So we must remember that we have to be an active participant in any changes that we want to come to fruition. James chapter 2 verse 17 says, faith without works is dead. So we have to participate and and be part of that change and work with God, work with the Holy Spirit as he guides us. I believe another important key to being truly able to receive Holy Spirit guidance is really accepting that we are not perfect and we need Jesus. And the big one is that despite everything, he calls us beloved. If we don't believe he cares We will not seek a connection, and this will impede the receiving part of his instruction. The good news is, it only takes a very small bit of faith that he does love us, and he is available to give us this higher level of guidance. Matthew chapter 17 verse 20 says, Even faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains. I mean, wow, it can move mountains. That's a really tiny bit of faith, you know? In the end, the only person that we can have control over is us. We can choose to reject limiting, worldly, polar opposite paradigms. And we see this in our life daily. People jumping on these polar opposite bandwagons. And they're accepted by these groups, you know? But we can turn off electronics. We can put ourselves in a quiet, receptive state. We have that option. And yes, we can discuss our revelations with others. Even if we do this with a few trusted people, we are still contributing to changing the world. We are allowing ourselves to essentially be instruments for our loving creator. We are truly fulfilling the role of our part in the body of Christ at this point. And imagine if more and more of us did just this. Now, something to consider. We have to be careful, quote unquote, casting our pearls before the general public. Not only will some people not be receptive to the message that you're presenting, but they will also trample them under their feet and become angry towards you. This is, of course, in reference to Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. 
So just like you've received some supernatural clarification in your quiet time with the Lord, the good news is that also the way you received that, this is how you will come to know the way that you are meant to share what you learn. See how that works? He will guide you there too. So we are never alone. And we don't have to navigate this confusing, divided world alone either. John chapter 17, verse, I'm sorry, John chapter 14, verse 17 says, Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you. And he will be in you. Guys, all we have to do is ask and have a just a um, the faith the size of a mustard seed. And we have to ask and know that he loves us and he is there for us. I'd like to close today with a poem that I wrote a while back. I've never been very involved in politics. But one day, I found myself getting worked up and more and more passionate as time went by. I also started becoming more and more intolerant of opposing viewpoints. We see intolerance all around us, right? So once I stepped back, it didn't take long for God to lay some truths on my heart. And thankfully, they brought me right back to his heart and away from influential things like the media. And friends, if we seek his heart first, we will never be led astray by passionate friends, even if they have good intentions, or politicians or anything influential again that may, as we discovered before, lead us astray. I called myself a Christian till one day I awoke and realized what was in my heart was not what I had spoke. I called myself a Christian, saw opposition all around. People just could not agree and there was no common ground. I called myself a Christian, decided to stand proud. Many folks were lost and confused, angry, hurt, and loud. I called myself a Christian. I chose the smart ideal. A couple of years went by before God's big reveal. I called myself a Christian. God made this statement true. Flawed thinking became crystal clear to share some truths with you. We are living in division. This isn't the best way. If we remember one great truth, instead, it's love that saves the day. Not one of us could throw the stone. No person without sin. That's why Jesus preached the truth. Let love flow from within. Have you guarded mind and heart? Kept thoughts aligned with love? Questioned all you've stood up for and sought guidance from above? Drop labels, assumptions, gossip too. Examine each determined truth. What if there were no enemies, just folks with differing proof? Life gives us each a different script to use in the same play. It doesn't make you right and them wrong. It means to seek the way. Everyone has basic needs. We are truly much the same. Love, fairness, patience, freedom too will abruptly stop this game. Be careful who you listen to. Don't need belongingness. Jesus said, leave some behind for love, self-control, and gentleness. Now I'll leave you this great task. It's your turn to review. All you've stood for, preached and thought, your heart knows what to do. Get quiet. Turn and ask the one 
who made the stars and sea, to write his truths upon your heart, break chains and set you free. Ideals and knowledge, world affairs, can bind our minds right up, till all we think of is disgust, frustration fills our cup. Before too long, the load to bear becomes a heavy weight. We carry it everywhere we go till one very fateful date. He's waiting patient, lovingly, for you to come back home. He reminds us to become childlike with faith that we are not alone. He holds the world tight in his grasp. He sees it all and waits for us to acknowledge him and ask if he'll guide us past fear baits. We don't need experts, worldly rule. We need not be afraid. Stay close to our Heavenly Father's love and always seek his way. He makes paths straight and clears the fog, but others will still stumble. Be patient, loving, and guide them home. Only love causes sin to crumble. Nothing left but love that's shared. Kindness, generosity too. No more judgment, selfishness, just God's intended truth. One day we'll get there, maybe soon. Till then, just don't forget what really matters on this earth. Choose love and not regret. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in his age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. The whole third chapter of Corinthians is about the very thing we've discussed today. Friends, I hope that you'll put your faith in Jesus to be your guide. Well, that's it for today's show. Thanks so much for joining me. I'll drop a midweek inspiration show in a few days. Keep stepping back, questioning things, and seeking heavenly guidance. And don't forget, you are loved and your voice is important. Have a great week, y'all.